Lenten sermons on the death and raising of Lazarus. And by the way, um, people often give up something for Lent. I don't know if you've noticed what I've given up for Lent, but what I'm giving up for Lent is long sermons. We're still in the age of miracles, my friends. I would like your prayers for that. It's a, it's a great labor for me to preach a shorter sermon. The difference between a, short ser- a long sermon and a short sermon for me is a lot of hard work. So I need your prayers for that. And it's not just a random thing. I, want you to, I just kind of want to open my heart to you about that. Um, you might be wondering, like, is he running out of things to say? <laughs> and that, that might be true. So <laughs> I do need your prayers. But, but the thing is, I, I really feel that it's important that we create space in our worship service, that it, we're not just always on the move, but that we're able to stop. And specifically, I'm praying that God will be, will be bringing in testimonies. I think we need to hear testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. So this is a discipline that I'm kind of taking on myself to do what I can as a preacher to try to create a, a bit more room in this worship service The testimonies are not coming yet, but I believe they're on the way. I really do. I I believe that God is on the move. He's up to something. And we want to, we look forward to hearing those testimonies. So, I began this series of Lenten sermons uh, by claiming, as we we looked at the death uh, and, and just last week the resurrection of Lazarus, I began by claiming that, um, Jesus loves you too much to fulfill your expectations and your dreams. None of us likes the sound of that. But it's so important. And it's because he has his own dreams for you that are just far greater than anything you have ever imagined. And they have to do with the glory of God breaking into your life, just breaking upon you like a sunrise. The glory of God specifically at the point of your deepest losses and your greatest brokenness. That is the dream of Jesus, that you'll know the glory of God there. Last Sunday, we encountered um, this question, a, a very penetrating, challenging question. Jesus kind of interrupted Martha, the sister of Lazarus, and he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He didn't just make a flat statement. He asked a question. And it it resonates in our ears and our hearts. Jesus says he is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? So today, we're going to discover that whether we believe it or not, whether we understand it or not, Jesus refuses to abandon us to the tombs where we are losing our lives and dying. So let's look at our text. We're in John 11. We're in John 11, 1 through 12, 8 over this five-week period. We're getting into the middle toward the end of John 11. So let's read our text for today, verses 38 to 44. This is the word of God. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, 
Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The title of the message today is, It's Time to Leave the Tombs. I hope you'll take that personally. It's time. It's time to leave the tombs. Well, we've seen that Jesus did not do what Mary and Martha, and I suppose Lazarus, um, expected and hoped and wanted him to do. He did not get there in the nick of time to save Lazarus' life. And as a result, his good friend Lazarus is now dead. Four days dead. It must have been agonizing for his sisters to watch him slowly slip away, and then to place him in that tomb and and to roll the stone across the doorway, that finality of that stone clunking into place. If you've ever watched someone die, and I have, you know that in spite of what Hollywood portrays, death is not pretty. It doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't smell good. It stinks. It hurts. And it certainly hurts the loved ones who sit by the deathbed watching someone they love die because they are powerless. This is where we run into our powerlessness, if not before. They're powerless to stop it. I think this feeling of powerlessness is one of the reasons that we don't talk about death very much in our culture. We're kind of a can-do culture, but when it comes to death, we can. Nobody can. We don't talk about death very much. You know, just try to hang around the copy machine at work tomorrow and get a good conversation going about death and dying. (laughs) You will have that machine all to yourself in very short order. But in spite of our refusal to talk about it, we, we experience death. We all experience death all the same. And we experience it really all the time. Life is a matter of enduring one loss after another, and it's not pretty. There's not a one of us who has not witnessed the death of someone or something that we really cherished. We try to hold on to things, but we don't have the power to do it, not ultimately. Think about this. What have you ever succeeded in holding on to in this life? You just wanted to grab a hold of it and hold on to it, never let it go. Did you get to hang on to your childhood, your children, your parents? Did you get to keep your youth or your job or your health or your plans for the future? Even if you're still holding on to some of these things for the time being, deep down you know, you know it's only a matter of time before you have to let them go. You have to give them up. They're going to be taken from you. We lose them eventually. And after a while, the losses of life can start to pile up on you. And the day you realize that you have lost more than you are still holding, that is a dangerous day. Because the danger is, that is the day when you are tempted to give up. 
to just quit, to shut down, to walk away. I say this because, let's be honest, it is not just Lazarus who is in the tomb. It is you, and it is me. We entered that tomb the day we gave up, the day we gave up on life, the day we gave up on adventure for security, the day we settled for life without passion, without risk, without mission. We entered the tomb the day we settled for a city where mothers sleep in cars with their children, while others who don't even have cars now may not have bus fare either. We entered the tomb the day we said, well, that's just the way it is, and I can't change it. Life is hard, but at least I've got my own little place, my own little garden, my own little spot in pretty good shape. I had better not take any chances with that. I'm not going to risk getting involved. I'm never going to let my heart get wounded again. I will never be vulnerable again. Instead, I'm just going to hang on to my neat, orderly, lonely little life. On that day, we just, we just walked into a tomb and we rolled the stone shut behind us. Now, we may get excited about our little plans from time to time, our little vacation plans, our schemes for making a little more money, our plans for buying a little more furniture or a little bit bigger place. But to be clear, this is little more than redecorating our tombs. And Jesus will not settle for that. We're willing to settle for that. But part of the good news is Jesus is not willing to settle for that. He has no interest in helping you remodel your tomb. None. So he stands outside the sepulchers of our lives. And he says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. You've been dead long enough. It's time for you to come to life. It's time for you to come back. Come back to life. Remember, Jesus did not prevent Lazarus' death. And he did that for the same reason that he does not prevent the loss of things that you hold close to your heart. It is not because he does not love you. Rather, it is because he does love you. And he loves you so much that he wants to give you a different life, a new life, life in him. Life to the full. Life eternal, a life that you can only have when you let go of the dead life to which you are so fiercely clinging. Take away the stone, Jesus says. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Isn't that just like Martha? I mean, she's really, you know, she's pretty down to earth. We've seen her to be the practical one in the bunch. And isn't it just like Martha and you and me? I mean, she just has to tell Jesus what to do. I mean, she's got to give Jesus this advice. Like, Jesus, you really haven't thought this through. <laughs> not that I've ever done that. I, I, you know, not that I've ever made suggestions to Jesus about what would be better. We do this all the time. So Martha says, uh, time out. <laughs> you really want to do that? I mean... You know what's in there, Lord. She's saying, Lord, you know what's behind that stone? Death. That's it. Death. And everybody knows about death. It stinks. 
My brother's going to stink. It stinks. But you can't do anything about that kind of loss. It's already happened. It's just the way it is. And Jesus responds to her again with this tenderness. You can just hear it. And, and, And he says, Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. And he's about to do something. And and that is what belief is for followers of Christ. It's a way of seeing. Faith is a way of seeing. In other words, if, if we believe only in what we see, we will have to submit to the power of the tomb, and that will be the last word on it. But if we believe in whom we see, in whom we see, Jesus, the Savior, then we have found a power greater than the tomb, and he will have the last word. That's how it works in God's universe. And this is why we keep coming to worship. This is why we need a devotional life, because it's often difficult to see Jesus. But worship, is how we renew our vision of the not-so-apparent presence of the risen Savior who also raises the dead. You know, if you get to travel to the Holy Land sometime, to see Jerusalem, to see other biblical sites, you can go to the little suburb of Bethany where this took place, and you can visit the tomb that by tradition was the place where Lazarus was buried. I can tell you it is a small cold, dark, dark place. Actually, if you have never been to Bethany in the Holy Land and you never get there, the chances are very good that you have been in that tomb at some point in your life anyway. Maybe it was when you came home to tell your children that you had lost your job. Maybe it was when the doctor tried to explain to you about finding more of the cancer. Or maybe it was when someone hurt you, really wounded you, broke your heart. Yes, I think, I think you probably know exactly what Lazarus's tomb looked like and felt like. I know I do. I have often gone there. I've often gone into that tomb, that cold, dark, lonely, isolated place. I've often gone there in my disappointment, in my discouragement, in my depression, when I've been hurt. I've often gone there. In fact, I come from a long line of men who do that. That's what we do. In fact, we now have a saying that we use in our little family. We we call it going into the cave. (laughs) And we're able, Shelley and I, and especially our youngest son, we're able to laugh about this now. But let me tell you, it was no laughing matter for most of my life. I went into that cave a lot. But now we say, are you going into the cave? (laughs) Don't go into that cave. (laughs) That's a place where nobody can reach you. Words can't reach you. Don't go in there. I've gone into that tomb, that cave, so many times. So the question is, when you get there, in that cave, in that tomb, can you still see the Savior? Can you still hear his voice? Can you still believe? that he is the resurrection and the life. Well, I have to tell you, the best part of this story and the gospel story as a whole is that Jesus is not limited by us. 
Amen? Isn't that good news? Jesus is not limited by us. He's not limited by our unbelief or our half-belief or our unbelief mixed with belief. According to the text, Jesus, he's surrounded by so much doubt. They're all afraid what's going to happen if that stone's been taken away. He steps up to the tomb. And what does he do? Well, first he talks to Martha and he says, if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God. And then he talks to the Father. Isn't this wonderful? And he talks to the Father about you and me. This is what he says. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is, in the face of this death, this brokenness, it stinks. He's talking to the Father about you, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah who came for you, for your sins, to bring you forgiveness, to make you whole. So he talks to the Father about us for God's glory in our lives. And then he turns to talk to you and to me. You notice he speaks directly to Lazarus. And he calls Lazarus and he calls you and me. He calls us by name. That song we sang, he knows my name. He knows your name. He called Lazarus by name. He said, Lazarus, come out. Now remember, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. (laughs) He hears the call of Jesus. Lazarus, come out. He's calling you too, by name. And he's saying, come out. Come out of your tomb. Come out of your grief. You've been in there long enough. It's time. It's time to come out of your fear. It's time to come out of your cynicism, your comfortable despair. It's time to come out of your constant complaining. Aren't you tired of all that? Come out. Come out. Come out from that cold, dark, lonely, isolated place where you've been nurturing all that hurt, all that pain. Come out. Come out. Come out from being the victim. Why are you settling for all of that? That's a place of death. Come out, choose life. The Savior is calling you by name. And he's bidding you, dead one. He's calling you, come out. He's calling you back. He's calling you to life. So what do you do? Now what? The resurrection and the life has pulled back the stone from the door of your tomb. And he's calling you to return to life. What? Now what? Well, now you have a choice to make. Now you have a choice to make. It doesn't matter how beat up or beat down you have been. No one can take away your capacity to make meaningful, significant choices. You have a choice to make. When Jesus comes to the door of your tomb and rolls away the stone and invites you to come out into a new life, you can either choose to stay in the tomb or you can believe that you're about to see the glory of God And that there is a new life you cannot even imagine that is waiting for you. He calls you by name. Come out. And maybe you think, well, I just don't have, I don't have that much faith. I don't have that much belief. Maybe you can't see your way out of the door of your grief, your hurt, just yet. Maybe. 
what I want to say to you is just don't wait for the faith to come. Don't wait and say, I need stronger faith. I need to believe more. Because there's little power in faith. The best faith you can muster on your best day, it has no strength in it, in itself. The power is in the Savior. The power is in Jesus who is calling you, calling for you by name. And when faith, little faith, weak faith, when it links to Jesus, when it answers that call, yes, Lord, yes. When it answers that call, when it connects to the life of the Savior, the one who is the resurrection and the life, that's it. It's life-changing. The impossible begins to happen. So don't focus on your faith. Focus on where the power lies, with Jesus. Garrison Keillor has written that faith is like the nose on the front of your face. If you focus on it too closely, it will make you dizzy. Go ahead, give it a try. Just focus on the tip of your nose for a minute. Yeah, you're going cross-eyed. You do that long enough, you're going to be dizzy. It's like that with faith. Don't focus on the faith. Don't focus on your faith. Focus on God's grace. Focus on the Savior who knows your name. Focus on the Lord who persistently calls you to come out, to come forth. Lazarus, come out. Jane, Susan, John, Bill, come out. Come out. It's time to come out of your tomb. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Man, I I find that it's, it's miraculous. It's just striking to me that Jesus gives this dead man new life. He's the only one who could do that. But I also notice that he does not unbind him from his grave clothes. He says, take off the grave clothes. Help him out. Get those grave clothes off of him. Let him go. I think Jesus does not unbind this man from his his grave clothes because I think that's our job as followers of Jesus. I think that's our job. I think it's the task of the brothers and the sisters in the family of God, in the church family, to help people, to help one another get out of our grave clothes, to help people walk out of their grave clothes and walk into this brand new life and the freedom of this new life that Jesus gives. This is very important because your job is not to give life to what is dead. Your job is not to save people to save people at work or in your neighborhood or even in your families. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one who can give life to the dead. He's the only one who can save people. That's his job. That's what he does, and he does it perfectly. And he will do that even when it seems impossible, even when it seems much too late, as it was with Lazarus. Your job, your mission, is to open your eyes. Open your eyes to see what Jesus is doing. See the life-giving work of Jesus Christ. It's going on all around you. 
It may be going on within you. See it in other people. See it in yourselves. And in seeing, believe. Believe in Jesus that what you're seeing is what Jesus is doing. It isn't just something that's happening. It's something intentional and deliberate that Jesus is doing. Wow. See, no one has enough faith to leave a comfortable tomb all by themselves. Can't do it. Jesus gives life, and then you and I are to help people leave their grave clothes behind. I have to tell you, this this part of the text really struck me because this is precisely what people did for me when I was addicted to alcohol. This is what they did for me in my addiction. Here's what had to happen. Jesus had to deliver me. He had to give life to me where I was dead, just dead in that addiction. He had to give me life. He was the only one who could do that, and he did. But then I was dragging around all these grave clothes. I couldn't get out of them. And I needed people to help me. I needed to go to meetings. I needed people to help me get out of my grave clothes. I couldn't do that alone. And that's what we do at Celebrate Recovery all the time. We're helping each other get out of our grave clothes. And I hope that's what we're doing here at New Life Church, that we're helping each other get out of our grave clothes. See, my faith is its never strong enough for something that big. To walk in new life, we need to lean on the faith of others. We need to lean hard sometimes. We need the great faith of the church that tells us of Jesus and and unbinds us and lets us go free. But you can only be of use to the Savior's liberating work in the lives of other people if you have abandoned your own grave, if you have left your grave clothes behind. Many of you are are walking around in your grave clothes, and you don't know it. You just wonder, why am I always tripping over things? Those grave clothes, they're very inconvenient. (laughs) They tangle you up. They trip you up. And 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 you're saying, my life stinks. Well, you're walking around in grave clothes. Of course it stinks. (laughs) We need to get out of our grave clothes. And you can't do that on your own. It's very humbling. It's so very humbling. I know. It's humbling. But God gives grace to the humble. Look, you have to, you have to let people get close to you if you want to get out of your grave clothes. They have to get right up next to you. You have to let people love you. You have to let them put their hands on you. You have to let them see your grave clothes close up, touch them, smell them, and remove them. And it's all very humbling. And it's kind of scary. I, I, I understand that. It's kind of scary if, if grave clothes are all you know. If it's really all you have. <laughs> you think you're going to be left naked. You're not. God has some garments for you. He's going to clothe you in beautiful righteousness. So you may feel like grave clothes are all you have. They're not much, but they're mine, Right? That's going to change. Your disappointment, your grief, your pain, your loss in life may have been great. And I don't want to minimize that in any way. I know. I understand that. But the stone has been rolled back. 
And the Savior is calling for you by name. Isn't it time to come forth? New life is waiting you. All that it costs you is giving up death and leaving your cozy tomb with its grave clothes that have fit you so well for so long. Come out. Come out. Come out. Receive the new life that Jesus gives you precisely where you're dying, where you're losing your life, where you may be dead. Come out and receive that new life. He's waiting to give that to you. And then let others love you. Let others put their hands onto your grave clothes. Let them unwrap them and unbind you and remove them from you that you might live in this beautiful freedom for which Jesus has set you free. We are in this together. Amen? Amen. Let's let that amen settle into our hearts. I believe in the sun I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of his blood Amen
going to take a few moments, just quiet moments. God is moving. God is touching lives. God is at work. Jesus is standing before the tomb of your life. And he's calling you to come forth. And he's saying, I have life for you. I have life for you. I have life for you. He loves you. Come. Come forth. Come out. Come out.